All right, welcome once again to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined here by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. Welcome, Todd. Hey, Corey. Let's start out in a, an atypical place for this podcast, and that's a little bit of foreign policy. So the war in Israel continues to lead the news, as we know. And the Deseret News Hinckley Institute conducted an interesting poll of registered Utah voters asking a few questions. First, how closely are you following the Israel-Hamas war? And the poll shows that 75% of Utahns are very or somewhat closely following the war, which, you know, that's pretty high, I would say. The next question, do you think the United States is doing enough to respond to the war in Israel? 41% said yes. 35% said no. But probably most interestingly to me is that among Democrats, the numbers are flipped. Um, 30, 36% said America's doing enough. 40, 41% said not enough. So the poll also asked respondents what type of U.S. response they would support among five options they offered. Humanitarian aid led the pack, 71%. Military support short of American troops got 45%. Financial assistance only, 33%. Providing U.S. troops boots on the ground, 20%. So 20% of Utahns, at least in this poll, thinks that we should we think we should have boots on the ground. And 15% say we should do nothing at all. So again, Democrats were more hawkish on that entire list. Dems supported every option at a higher rate than Republicans, including providing U.S. troops on the ground, which is kind of interesting and astounding, to be honest. Todd, do you have any thoughts about the poll? Well, um, yeah, I, I think I'm amazed at how many people don't, um, and I'm not an expert, uh, but don't understand the history of um, the country of Israel and the the claim of the you know Palestinians and the Israelis to those claims. People, some people pretend like this started in you know 1948 when actually you know both sides go back thousands of years. Um, and I, I guess we, as Americans, we're not exactly known for our um, understanding of history, especially history of other countries, as opposed to, you know, our own uh, nation's history. So, no, I'm not shocked by the poll. It does seem like, and I'm going to say something partisan, it does seem like that Republicans these days are more patriotic than Democrats are. Um, and we're more pro-military. I'm not ready for boots on the ground, you know, um, in Israel, uh, in, in the Gaza Strip. I'm just really hoping, um, I think Hamas needs to be wiped out. Uh, I think that's Israel's job to do that. And I'm just really hoping that this doesn't expand to Iran and Syria and Lebanon and and Saudi Arabia and, you know, all of that. So, um, you know, and, and I'll just comment, you know, when Trump was president, um, you know, um, we, we didn't have problems like we're having now. And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe that's Biden's fault. Maybe it's not. But I, I, a lot of people seem to think that when Biden pulled out of Afghanistan the way he did, um, it kind of sent a signal to the rest of the world that he wasn't willing to, you know, to, to you know, wasn't willing to put uh, skin in the game, if you will, and that that gave license to China and Russia and, you know, perhaps terrorist, you know, organizations like Hamas, that uh, if they struck, that um, uh, the United States wouldn't do anything. Of course, you know, China hasn't done anything to Taiwan yet, but they have been rattling their sabers. Yeah, and I mean, and Biden obviously also released 
six billion plus dollars to Iran. And of course, we all knew where that was going to go. But um, count me certainly among the group who is in favor of military assistance short of American troops. Like I yeah, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't be more opposed to, the, to American troops yeah. going. Absolutely no tro- troops on the ground. And our new, uh, the new U.S. House Speaker Mike Johnson, I think he got out over his skis. I mean, he'd been, he'd actually been pretty much against the Ukraine funding, and and now he's saying not only do we need that, but we we may need boots on the ground in Israel. And I'm just count me as like totally opposed to that. But among other things, I think what this poll underscores is that the the degree to which the Democratic Party has moved in a, in a more hawkish, like pro-war stance. And it's it's kind of like a lot of the, the neoconservatives that had originally been Democrats then became Republican. And now they've all, because of Trump gone back to being Democrats again. (laughs) And, uh, and I think we're coming full circle of the 1960s. We're seeing sort of the same schism as among the Democrats as then. In the 60s, it was sort of the anti-war peacenik protesters against the Vietnam War versus the Kennedy-Johnson administrations and basically the Democratic establishment. Um, I, I highly recommend to everyone listening to read the book, The, the Brightest and the Best. It might be one of the it's in my top three best books ever written. But anyway, it gives a, an inside account of, of the Vietnam War and particularly like Kennedy and Johnson um, staff. But but now now fast forward to now you have s- sort of the same kind of self-devouring resistance zealots is what I would call them kind of spouting the decolonize, which is just anti-Semitism by another name. And it's yeah. mixed with this kind of Antifa like trans ideology, BLM, critical theory kind of claptrap stuff. And it's led by university professors, and and we're seeing tons of students, particularly in um, higher degree, um, Ivy League type schools, and it's just completely detached from reality, and it's and it's pretty ugly. But it's it's fascinating to me because I think that is a little bit of a repeat of history, and I, I think that I think that Biden um, bumbles internationally. It's very clear though that he's he's much more hawkish than Obama ever was, and obviously super hawkish when it comes to Ukraine and is definitely dedicated to all that but, but then you have what's what's rising right now is kind of the the uh uh, uh Ilhan Omar and AOC and, and Jayapal and just a crew that's just pretty like detached from reality but, but people Obama. forget the the Obama administration was very hawkish when it came to drone strikes oh yeah um, they did thousands more than Bush did in in, in his last 4 years and and a lot more than Trump ever did, and, and you know, and he was facing different crises. I just want to say two things. So, Mike, our, our new um, our new speaker, um, what's his name? Uh, Johnson. Mike Johnson. He made SNL's cold open after three days of being speaker. So there, there's a new record there. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, if we had to put boots on the ground, what might make sense to me is let. American troops kind of shore up that border um, with the West Bank so that Hezbollah doesn't come in to Israel and let them, you know, um, convert more of their resources, uh, uh, you know, to the Gaza Strip, uh, if you're familiar with the geography there. Because the big fear is, is that while Israel is trying to, you know, fight Hamas in the Gaza Strip, that Hezbollah, you know, which is 10 times stronger than Hamas, that they're going to, and they're, they're already starting to like, you know, rattle their sabers there on the border um along the west bank and so 
you know, if it made any sense at all, it would be to put Americans there to say, hey, Hezbollah, you're not coming through here. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but remember, we did something similar in Beirut and and our troops got bombed and, and killed. And what happens if, you know, some Hamas terrorist is able to, you know, they're or some other um islamist group like yeah. kills americans and then escapes to egypt like or you know there's just no, a hundred I hear you. ways no it, it's a recipe for disaster and i'm not su- suggesting that i'm just saying if we did it that that's what would make the most sense to me and let me just say you mentioned lebanon or beirut's in lebanon you know Le- lebanon's the one country that allowed the one arab country that let palestinians in and prior to that, it was known as the Paris, you know, of the Middle East mm. back in the 50s and was a big vacation spot for, you know, wealthy uh, Europeans and Americans. And and we all, you know, you and I, uh, you're younger than I am, but Lebanon is just a hellhole now, yeah. and w- which which may explain why Egypt and the other Arab states will not, you know, that they don't seem to want to let the Palestinians in because the Palestinians kind of have a history of uh, upheaval and and so civil conflict but it's fascinating to me i think the untold story of this conflict is you have all of these innocent palestinian civilians the non-terrorists you know not the hamas people but the innocent civilians and these you know other muslim countries arab countries that they, they they're not coming to their aid at all yeah which is which is fascinating to watch yeah it really tells you something On a related note, Utah Senator Mike Lee joined a group of Republican senators introducing a bill to decouple funding for Israel from the White House request for funding Ukraine. So Mike Lee's press, Senator Lee's press release said, Ukraine and Israel are distinct, important issues, and Congress should have the opportunity to, to consider and vote on prospective aid packages individually. If the Biden administration's case for additional Ukraine aid is not strong enough to stand on its own, than packaging them as an insulting request to lay before Congress. It is unreasonable for the administration to exploit an aid package for Israel to siphon off billions of taxpayer dollars in yet another blank check for Ukraine. And so I think this makes a lot of sense. I mean, basically, Republicans and most Democrats, not all, but most, want to provide support for Israel. And I think the division among Israel, like we were just talking about, is really between Democrats because Republicans are basically uniformly supportive. But on the Ukraine side, that's where most Republican senators, I think, not all, but most would support some level some level of support. But I think there's a desire for more accountability for the money being spent. And I think a lot of Republicans want to hear from the Biden administration, like, what's the plan? Is it is it just money forever? Because remember, this is deficit spending. So we're talking about writing checks that our children and grandchildren will need to pay back. And we want to make sure that it's worth it. And so I personally, I, I mean, I'm, I'm open to Ukraine funding if we know what we're trying to achieve. Right now, I don't think we know. And yeah. so Biden and Democrats, they just kind of want the money, not the accountability. And this is a this is a traditional Washington thing to do is smash two things together that you know, to, or, or use one thing that's going to carry another thing because we know yeah. that it has the votes. And so it'll carry this other thing, too. But Todd, yeah. what do you think? Uh, I agree with you 100 percent. And I agree with Mike Lee 100 percent. I mean, this is the equivalent of. You know, if you want to order chicken strips at a restaurant and they're like, yeah, well, that comes with the with the chopped liver and onions. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I just want the chicken strips. And they're like, yeah, well, you got to order them all and you have to eat the onions you know, and the liver first sort of thing. Now, I, you know, I um, 
I agree that they should be voted on separately. I think like you, I'm, I would be willing to vote for, you know, if I were in Congress right now, I'd be willing to vote for some more funding for Ukraine, but let's be honest, Zelensky has set out some completely unrealistic expectations for what he wants before he'll, you know, end the war. And that is retaking Crimea and all these other areas, you know, that, that we're going back now a decade, um, you know, it, it, it isn't, you know, and I'm not saying that they're not entitled to that, but, uh, you know, how many billions of dollars of the United States dollars are we going to invest in in trying to get Crimea back, which is probably, you know, never going to happen. And so I do think in terms of an exit strategy, uh, we need an exit strategy for our funding. I, I don't think we can write um, blank checks to Ukraine for the next 100 years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's always easier to spend other people's money. So I think you and I are on the same page there. This past week, GOP candidates, sorry, GOP candidate Celeste Malloy had a debate with Democratic candidate Kathleen Reby. This was hosted by the, uh, the Utah um, Debate Commission. Todd, did you watch the debate or hear any feedback afterwards? Yeah, yes, I did not watch all of it. I watched part of it. I actually was with Celeste yesterday and talked to her, so I got her feedback. I've read some of the cool. stories about it. And let me just say, um, I, I, my guess is the viewership was very, very low on this because this is uninteresting. That this is like watching uh, Utah lose to Oregon or BYU lose to uh, you know to Texas. Like you know, after the first quarter, you know, you kind of know who's going to win, or maybe at least at halftime. And so I don't think that this this and no offense to Miss Reby or Miss Malloy, who are both friends of mine, although Miss Reby's wrong on everything. She's a nice person and we are friends wrong <laughs> on everything. Politically. This is not an interesting race to watch because we all know that Malloy is going to win and it's not going to be close. Yeah, totally. And I, I watched I also watched some of it, not all of it. But what's what really struck me is is Kathleen Reby is she is a liberal and has been in the yeah. legislature, but she. Certainly want to portray herself as kind of a blue dog moderate. Um, again, that's not really her her record in the legislature, but but I thought it was interesting and that gave me a big smile that she did reveal some of her some of her true views when when talking about the deficit. Cause um, you know, Celeste was talking about basically entitlement reform and and that kind of thing. And and Kathleen was like, Well, we need to make basically we need to make rich people pay more. So, you know, yeah. kind of the liberal vision of if you do well, you need to be punished. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she let it slip almost. And I'm so tired of politicians trying to um, uh, pretend like they're something they're not. I mean, and I'll, and I'll call her out again. I did on Twitter a couple of months ago. Shakespeare said to thine own self, be true, Kathleen Reby. Just be true <laughs> to thyself. Don't pretend like you're something you're not. You're a liberal. You know you're a liberal. You've always been a liberal. You always will be a liberal. So stop pretending to be a moderate. It's not honest. Yeah. Well said. And to me, it's super interesting because, again, there was a time in Utah for a long time, actually, in my growing up years where Democrats were largely cons like cons conservative Democrats, you know, largely blue dog type. Yeah. But that is not who represents it's, it's Salt changed. Lake City now. Change. Yeah. <laughs> it's completely different. My joke about Reby is when Bernie Sanders runs out of ideas, he gives Kathleen Reby a call. So <laughs> love it. Love it. All right, so we wanted to go local on on this last item. Uh, Orem City had a debate for city council candidates, 
And I'm mentioning this because we talked about Ogden last week. So we're, we're, we're trying to get a little bit more of the local stuff, but Orem might have the most contentious municipal election this cycle. And, and for those who've followed a little bit, they know, I mean, basically that city's at war, but, and possibly they're setting new spending records, I think too, at this point, but besides candidate spending, they have two, there's two rival large packs. One's called stand for Orem and the other one's called stronger Orem. And there's a lot of issues at hand, but I think a lot of it centers on how, like what, what smart growth means and what does it mean to grow? What does it mean to be a growing city? And whether to whether candidates support higher density housing and bus rapid transit, um, the, the, you know, the debate over rental units versus owner occupied, and they obviously have UVU, you know, in the city too. So there's a lot of rentals, but it goes to the housing affordability conversation that we were having last time. I think this is a top issue around the state. It's especially big right now in Utah County. I mean, literally like this is what a lot of people want to talk about is they moved to their quiet kind of slow Utah County town that are now becoming cities and bigger cities. And what was a traditionally quiet little place has turned into a, a like a mini metropolis and it's changed a lot. And the traffic obviously here in Lehigh is horrendous. I know it is in Orem too. Uh, I visited Orem um, this weekend and it's bad. And, but how to deal with all that. And, and, and the fact is like the residents just don't want any more growth. <laughs> Todd. So what are your thoughts okay. on that? Well, so one of my married sons lives in Orem. I've got another married son in American Fork, and I've got a third married son in, in Lehigh. So this is kind of right up my alley. And it's interesting, um, or, or, or Ormites, that, what do we call or, or, Ormers? They don't want growth, but they keep on having uh, big families. And, um, I, I, I want to, I, I just need to be blunt with those of you, uh, our listeners in Orem. When you have, if you're married and you have more than two kids, you're creating growth, okay? It's not just evil people moving from California to Orem. It's it's you having kids. It's it's called procreation, and you can look it up in the Bible. But my my point is this: um, all of us want the American dream. We all want our kids to grow up and be homeowners, and that is not going to happen <laughs> when the city's built out. And so we know that Utah is going to grow uh, by about a half a million people per decade for the next three to four decades, and and a lot of that growth statewide is going to be in Utah County. And some people might have this idea that all of Utah County is going to grow except for Orem. And I have a surprise for you. It's not going to play out that way. And so Utah County is going to double or triple in population in the next 40 years. And, and you can you can vote whoever you want to for city council. And that's not going to change. In the long run, that's not going to change the growth. Uh, Orem's going to be a lot more like West Valley and Ogden. Uh, than it is going to be like Provo in the 1970s. I, I'm just sorry. It's 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 coming to a uh, to a corner near you, uh, no matter who you vote for this election cycle. <laughs> That's bleak, <laughs> or I, not? I, I mean, it is exciting. I I don't live down there, but uh, the writing is on the wall. The die has been cast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's there's serious growing pains, and of course we've talked about this too. But in in the northwest part of of Utah County is where the most explosive growth is happening, Saratoga, Eagle Mountain, and that kind of thing. And, and you know, I think by the time our kids are our age, like, the you know, there's going to be 300,000 people in Cedar Valley. And how do, how do you deal with that kind of growth is just, you know, it's going to be enormous. 
Who, one of my kids bought a townhouse, a townhome in American Fork in, in what a, a community that was probably a farm field two years ago. And it was over $400,000 for a townhome. I mean, this. Yeah, it's, and yeah, it's not. Uh, in 2023. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about like condos that are going to be 120K. Like, no. The condos in Lehigh are all, all 400,000, at least, you know, 375, 400. Yeah. So. Anyway. All right. I think that's it. Anything all right. Else? We'll see you next week, Corey. Thanks, Todd. Oh, remember, Election Day is November 21st this month. We had to move it back because of Chris Stewart's resignation. Ballots will be mailed out this week. Great. And happy Halloween also. Happy Halloween. Thanks. Bye-bye.